Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Betters Box, bangthebook.com's MLB betting podcast for Thursday, April 2nd. I'm your host, Adam Burke. This and every edition of the Betters Box presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the Sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. As you know, my MLB betting guide up over on Amazon. It will have relevance for however many games get played here for the 2020 Major League Baseball season. You can get that for $4.99 over on Amazon, or you can get the PDF 100% free over at bangthebook.com. There's a download link on just about every page over on that website, so you can head on over there and check that out. Some reading material for you here to get ready for the season while we just don't really have a whole lot going on in the sports world. Also over at bangthebook.com, the unsweet 16 bracket, which we released last week with the 16 worst football betting bad beats of the 2010s. Well, the votes are in. We're on to the We Weep 8, which We Weep sounds like elite. And quite frankly, we we, we wept about a lot of those bad beats that came out of the 2010s. You can vote on those over on our Twitter page at bangthebook. Um, you can check those out. Oh, the polls are open for the next five days. You're taking a look at the round of eight there in our unsweet 16 bracket. Did some stuff with college football conference odds earlier on in the week over there at the website. Tons of NFL draft coverage coming your way in the lead up to that big event. We'll be talking about it here on Bang the Book Radio. We'll also be talking about it over at bangthebook.com. And we'll probably start doing some more college football stuff as well. Obviously, we don't really know what that season is going to look like exactly, but we'll do some college football chatter here on the program. I'm going to start working on my college football power ratings here at some point in time over the next couple of weeks. We'll get Brad Powers back on the show. He's already got his projected season win totals, spreads on every game. Uh, He's been a very, very busy beaver here with this sports layoff. So we'll do some college football stuff. We'll do some NFL draft stuff. We'll do the best we can here to have some sense of normalcy on Bang the Book Radio. And, of course, right here on the Betters Box, which you can hear every Monday and Thursday. And, in fact, next Monday, I'm going to be bringing back the Monday Mailbag segment. So you can send me questions, adam at bangthebook.com via email or at skating tripods on Twitter. Send me your betting questions. Send me your life questions, bourbon, beer, music. Doesn't matter what it is. Obviously, we got plenty of time to talk about whatever we want here on the program. So, The Monday Mailbag does return on Monday. Adam at bangthebook.com with your questions or at Skating Tripods on Twitter. All right, I want to talk about the concept of cluster luck here on today's show. You know, we've looked at things like left on base percentage for starting pitchers, and a lot of that has to do with cluster luck. This is a concept that was discussed at length in Joe Pita's phenomenal book, Trading Bases. I certainly recommend everybody checks that out. Uh, you know, while we're waiting for sports to come back. But the concept of cluster luck is this. Basically, it's about sequencing and when things happen. And realistically speaking, when you talk about Major League Baseball, when things happen plays a very, very big role. And I'll circle this back to the base run standings metric here uh, later on in today's show. But when things happen really, really matters. And It matters on an outcome-based level with the individual hitter versus pitcher matchups, but it also matters within the context of a singular at-bat 
And this is something that Trevor Bauer talked about, actually. If you head on over to Trevor Bauer's YouTube page, he's doing these videos called Breaking Points, which I watched yesterday, uh, a couple of the first two episodes of that. He has a new installment here, installment number three. But what he did was he took a look at a couple of spring training plate appearances, one with Matt Beatty, one where he actually tipped all of his pitches, basically in an effort to show you know how a hitter is on a pitch uh, when they know what's coming, sort of something to kind of reinforce uh, what it means for the Astros, you know, having that big advantage of knowing what pitches were coming. But then in the second episode, he did one with Mookie Betts, and it was it's fascinating. It is absolutely 100% worth the watch. Again, those are over on Trevor Bauer's YouTube page. Uh, those clips are called the Breaking Point segments. But basically the outcome, and I'll spoil it for you here, in the Mookie Betts one, is that with Mookie Betts, he pitched him away, 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 away. And Betts was able to do some different things with his swing mechanics in order to have a positive outcome. So sequencing matters, you know, on an individual pitch level. And it matters, of course, in the context of if the bases are empty or if there are runners in scoring position. So last year in Major League Baseball, the league-wide slash line with the bases empty was a 245 average a 312 on base percentage and a 426 slugging percentage that's a 738 ops and a 314 woba again woba weighted on base average where home runs and doubles count more than singles and walks so on and so forth now with runners in scoring position those numbers go up to a 262 batting average a 345 on base percentage 443 slugging percentage, a 789 OPS, and a 327 WOBA. Now, it stands to reason that teams would do better with runners in scoring position for a variety of different reasons. There's more pressure on the pitcher. There are different fielding alignments. Uh, you know, possibly the hitter is a little bit more focused. Hitter goals can be different. You know, with two outs and the base is empty, you're trying to hit a home run or a double or something like that. With men in scoring position, You're trying to put the ball in play, come up with a positive outcome. Strikeouts are typically down with runners in scoring position compared to the bases empty. So you get a lot of better outcomes. And as we see here, the league-wide averages were a 17-point increase in batting average with with runners in scoring position compared to the bases empty. Uh, A big, big gap of 33 points in on-base percentage, a 17-point gap in slugging percentage, And, of course, a 50 to 51-point gap in OPS there, depending on how the sites decided to round that data. So we do know definitively that hitters are better with runners in scoring position than they are with the bases empty. Now, if we look at some teams from last year, we look at the full team metrics here. Interestingly enough, there were a couple of teams that had a higher weighted on base average with the bases empty Then they had with runners in scoring position. Those two teams were the Brewers with a 322 with the bases empty and a 315 with runners in scoring position. And the Rays with a 320 with the bases empty and a 313 with runners in scoring position. We'll talk about the Rays again here in a couple of minutes, but this is the obvious exception. Now, what does that mean to us? Because the fact of the matter is, There is no year-to-year correlation with runners in scoring position. Generally speaking, the better hitters are going to be the better hitters no matter what. 
So teams like the Astros, the Yankees, the Dodgers, so on and so forth, they're going to be at the top of the league with the bases empty and with runners in scoring position. It's just the way that it's going to go. But when you get some of these teams that are kind of in the middle tier offensively, like a Brewers team or a Rays team, something like that, you would expect that they would fall kind of in line with the league averages. And again, keep in mind, with the bases empty, it was a 314 Woba with runners in scoring position, a 327 Woba. So the Brewers at 315 last year and the Rays at 313, we would expect some positive regression from them. Again, no year-to-year, no year-over-year correlation on a team level, but we would expect them to regress towards the mean. We would expect them to be better here for this upcoming season, assuming the personnel is the same or that they made some upgrades, something like that. And really, for these two teams, the personnel is by and large the same. The Brewers have kind of swapped out some different guys. The Rays are pretty much working with the exact same lineup as last season. So the Brewers and the Rays, to me, would be offensive positive regression candidates going into the 2020 season in those higher leverage situations with runners in scoring positions. So what that means to me, for example, I love the Rays season win total over. I like the Rays as a World Series contender. And in fact, the shorter season may benefit them even more, actually. But I would expect them to be better offensively. By proxy, because of how good their pitching staff is, more runs, is a more favorable outcome for a very, very good pitching staff. One of the many reasons why I really like the Tampa Bay Rays going into this season. Now, what you're going to find more often than not, again, that was the group with a higher Wobo with the bases empty than with runners in scoring position. More often than not, you're going to find teams that have a very, very big discrepancy between with the bases empty and with runners in scoring position. And those are teams that you may want to look for a little bit of negative regression from Simply because while they're generally better offensive teams, something really stood out. There was some sort of outlier in those splits that probably won't come to fruition the following year. For example, the New York Yankees last year hit a 332 Woba with the bases empty. Very, very good up near the tops of the league. They had a 366 Woba with runners in scoring position. Now, as I just talked about, the league-wide average gap was 13 points in Woba, a 314 with the bases empty, a 327 with risk. Here we talk about the Yankees, who are 34 points better with runners in scoring position than with the bases empty. So that's that's well over double what the gap was on an average basis league-wide. So the Yankees are a very good, very talented lineup. We would expect them to be in the above-average bucket but maybe not to the degree that they were. So why were they so much better with runners in scoring position? Because they had a 286 batting average on balls in play with the bases empty and a 328 batting average on balls in play with runners in scoring position. So they got very fortunate with their outcomes with runners in scoring position in terms of balls in play. Is that going to regress this season? I would say yes, at least to a degree. The Yankees do make a lot of hard, violent contact. They've got a lot of good hitters, obviously. But we're talking about a very, very big gap. Gap of 42 points in batting average on balls in play between the bases empty and runners in scoring position. I would expect that to regress to a degree. 
So I would look for the Yankees' offense to maybe not be as prolific as it was last season. And, of course, a different baseball could impact these numbers as well. But just from a sequencing standpoint, we would expect a drop-off in that situation. The Washington Nationals are probably the biggest example of this. And generally speaking, when you see teams that have a World Series caliber season like this, they have an outlier in some way, shape, or form. You know, we look at teams like the Nationals last year. They have an outlier that I'm going to talk about here in a minute. Uh, the Red Sox a couple of years ago, they wound up being a very big outlier in this category as well. They were wildly successful with runners in scoring position. Uh, you know, sometimes you'll have a, year, a season where everybody just kind of has a career year all at once. And then that, you know, projects a team to winning it all. So there are a variety of different reasons why this happens. But the Nationals last year, had a 320 Woba with the bases empty and a 364 Woba with runners in scoring positions. That's a 44-point jump. The primary reason why is because they had a 508 slugging percentage with runners in scoring position compared to a 432 with the bases empty. And remember, Woba weights, which is what the W is, weighted on base average, weights home runs and doubles differently than it does singles and walks. So because they were so much more prolific in the slugging percentage department with doubles, triples, and home runs, they wind up being a massive outlier here. Now, without Anthony Rendon, their offensive numbers were going to take a little bit of a tumble anyway. But what I would expect to see with the Nationals is something where their Woba with the bases empty increases and their Woba with runners in scoring position decreases. So whether or not that fully cancels out remains to be seen, but I do still think that there is some offensive regression coming for this team, both because of the loss of Rendon and then also because they were so good in the slugging percentage department with runners in scoring position relative to with the bases empty. A few other teams here to kind of keep an eye on. The Texas Rangers had a 312 Woba with the bases empty and a 337 Woba with runners in scoring position. Again, they were another batting average on balls in play outlier. They had a 297 BABIP with the bases empty, a 328 BABIP with runners in scoring positions. So again, they got very fortunate with their balls in play. And of course, there's naturally going to be a difference between BABIP with the bases empty and with runners in scoring position because as I mentioned, more pressure on the pitcher, different fielding alignments, hitter focus is different, hitter goals are different, stuff like that. But to see a difference of, you know, 30 points like we see here with the Rangers, that's very, very high. To see a difference of 42 points with the Yankees, that's very, very high. Those are things that I would expect to regress to the mean the following season. And when we talk about regression to the mean, we talk about degrees of regression. For a team like the Rangers, not nearly as offensively gifted as the Yankees, I would expect their degree of regression to be higher than I would for the Yankees. If that makes sense to everybody out there, the Yankees have better players. So when you talk about staving off regression, the better you are or the better your players are as a team, the more likely you are to be an outlier. In the case of the Rangers, they're not as good as the Yankees offensively. In fact, they're not even close. They had the same BABIP with runners in scoring position that the Yankees did. I would not expect that to be the case here for the 2020 season. I would expect the Rangers to regress to a higher degree than the Yankees. 
So the Rangers are definitely a team I would look for some offensive regression from here going into this next season. Even though they get Joey Gallo back, I would still expect them to drop off in terms of their performance with runners in scoring position. The, the Cincinnati Reds, excuse me, 302 Woba with the bases empty, 332 Woba with runners in scoring position. Another massive outlier in the BABIP department. 277 with the bases empty, which is very, very low. 316 with runners in scoring position, which is probably in the realm of average. It's a little bit above average, I would suggest, but it's not that out of whack. So the Reds actually are a team I would look for positive regression from with the bases empty. So what that would mean for them is more offensive chances in these higher percentage scoring situations with runners in scoring positions. So in fact, what their big gap actually tells us is that they were unfortunate with the bases empty. With runners in scoring position, they were probably in the realm of average. And as I talked about already, 327 was the league average, 332 Woba for them. They were around average. So they're actually a positive regression candidate because they failed so badly with the bases empty. A 277 Babbitt with the bases empty is very, very low. So the Reds are actually a positive regression offense for the upcoming season. The Pirates had a 297 Wobo with the bases empty, 332 with runners in scoring position. Now, they're just not that good of an offense. So I think their offensive numbers will drop off with runners in scoring position. They had a 391 slugging percentage with the bases empty, 460 with runners in scoring position. So to recap here, the Brewers and the Rays, two positive regression teams offensively because they struggled with runners in scoring position. The Reds, also a positive regression team because they didn't create enough high-scoring opportunities because they were so bad with the bases empty. The Yankees will regress a little bit. Nationals will regress as well. The Rangers are a big offensive regression candidate in my estimation. And again, for more on Cluster Luck, Joe Pita's book, very, very good, that book, Trading Bases. Now, if we look on the pitching side of things, looking for some cluster luck here. Higher Wobo with the bases empty versus with runners in scoring position. The Phillies at 331 with the bases empty, 314 with runners in scoring position. The Blue Jays, 337 with the bases empty, 320 with runners in scoring position. The Rangers, 342 with the bases empty, 328 with runners in scoring position. And then the Rockies, who are just an outlier in so many different ways, 348 with the bases empty, 341 with runners in scoring position. Now, I disliked the Phillies coming into the season. My favorite season win total was probably the Philadelphia Phillies under. One of the reasons why is because if you look at their alternate standings metrics, they were an outlier. They were lucky to be a 500 team at 81 and 81 last year. This is one of the reasons why. The 331 Woba with the bases empty, the 314 with runners in scoring position. Remember, league average last year was a 314 Woba with the bases empty, 327 with runners in scoring position. So on average, teams were 13 points better with runners in scoring position than they were with the bases empty. And here you talk about the Phillies and the Blue Jays, 17 points better better on the pitching side with runners in scoring position, that is an outlier. That is something where I would look for negative regression 
in these higher leverage spots, higher leverage situations, one of many reasons why I was very low on the Phillies for this upcoming season. Now, if we look on the flip side here, a much higher Woba with runners in score, Woba against, I should say, with runners in scoring position versus the bases empty. I'll run through these in rapid fire fashion because there are a lot of them. The Reds, a 293 Woba against with the bases empty, a 325 with runners in scoring position. Cardinals, 303 empty, 326 with runners in scoring position. Padres, 305 empty, 325 with risk. Brewers, 305 empty, 329 with risk. The Giants, 307 empty, 341 Woba against with runners in scoring position. The Marlins, 310 empty, 339 risk. Red Sox, 314 empty, 352 risk. That's a big gap as well. Pirates, 332 empty, 356 with risk. So again, we're looking for regressions to the mean here. There is no year-to-year correlation on a team level, but we would expect teams to fall into various buckets. Teams that are good offensively will be good offensively with the bases empty and with runners in scoring position. Teams that are bad offensively will be bad in both categories. What I like to look for are teams in the middle of, of offensive prowess, like the Reds, like the Brewers, like the Rays, where we see that all three of them have some positive regression components to their offenses. That's a buy sign for me. And I know I talked about maybe liking the Brewers under a little bit going into the season. I love the Reds over, love the Rays over. Maybe I was a little bit premature on the Brewers as we look at you know some of their sequencing, some of their cluster statistics. Maybe they could have offset some of my concerns a little bit just by having some positive regression. But again, this is something you can look at as the season goes along as well. And in fact, what I'll do on Monday is I'll look at this on an individual pitcher level because this is something that has a significant impact on a pitcher from an ERA standpoint, from a left on base standpoint, these gaps, these, these variations in cluster luck can really define a season on a team level and on an individual level as well. So that's why I go through this stuff. Again, you can get these notes, Adam at bangthebook.com to sign up for the betters box notes. And I will send those out from Monday's show here today as well. But this is what we're looking for. We're looking for buy signs. We're looking for sell signs. We're looking for reasons to play on or against teams. And you want to take the previous year's data, factor in the additions and subtractions for the current season, and you start to formulate your opinions about these teams. We've been formulating a lot of opinions about individuals. Now we're trying to formulate some opinions on some teams here. So let's tie this all together. Because I talk about base runs. And base runs, as I mentioned before, is a context-neutral standings metric over at Fangraphs. And what it does is it takes all of the individual outcomes on the offensive side and on the pitching side, throws them all together, and comes up with a run scored per game, a runs allowed per game, and a run differential for the season based on those individual outcomes with no context applied. So it doesn't say if there's a runner on first and nobody out. It doesn't say if their base is loaded and two outs. It doesn't say if the bases are empty. All it does is looks at those individual outcomes. And the purpose of this is to take cluster luck out of the equation. 
because, you know, again, things will happen. And the order in which they happen can define a season, can define an inning. Like the example I've used before, strikeout, strikeout, single, single, home run, strikeout is three runs. Home run, single, single, strikeout, strikeout, strikeout is one run. Same six outcomes in a different order. Very, very different, uh, you know, win percentage added. Very, very different outcome to score three runs as opposed to one run. It's very, very different. So base runs takes that context out of the equation. So we look at the Cincinnati Reds here. They were minus nine in base runs. Their projected base runs record based on this context neutral environment was 84 and 78. Their actual record was 75 and 87. Now, again, we talked about the Reds quite a bit already in that this is a team that got very unlucky with the bases empty. They were a slightly above average offense with runners in score position, but they didn't get enough of those chances because for whatever reason with the bases empty, they didn't get base runners. So this is one of those teams that we kind of look at and say, okay, they should improve offensively. And base runs agrees. So that's why we look at the Reds as a positive regression candidate here because we know the pitching staff is already very good and the offense should be better with better outcomes with the bases empty. It's a lot easier to see this on the flip side here. And that's what I'll do to finish up this edition of the betters box. The New York Yankees last year, they won 103 games. They were 103 and 59. But if we look at base runs here for them, they project out to be more of a 94 and 68 team. That's a nine game difference. Why is that the case? Well, as we talked about already, look at their difference with the bases empty and with runners in scoring position. They were 34 points better in Woba with runners in scoring position largely because of that high BABIP. So that gave them a very, very high margin for error in terms of winning games because they cashed in such a high rate of their runners in square position situations. So base runs takes all the individual outcomes into account and says, this team probably got lucky in those high leverage situations, spits out a run differential, and we see a nine game difference in that department. A very easy one to see here is the Texas Rangers. They were plus seven in base runs. They were a 78 and 84 team in reality, but in base runs, they were 71 and 91. Why is that? Well, again, we saw them in two categories where they were an outlier, where they were very fortunate. Offensively, with the bases empty, they had a 312 Woba. With runners in scoring position, they had a 337 Woba because of that 31-point difference in batting average on balls in play. On the pitching side, they had a 342 Woba against with the bases empty and a 328 with runners in scoring position. Those are two areas of negative regression for them. So when you put all of these individual outcomes into the hopper for base runs, you see a team that got lucky. And as we see here, they should have been more like a 71 and 91 team as opposed to a 78 and 84 team. One of the reasons why I like the under for their season win total. Another one here that we talked about already, the Philadelphia Phillies. 
They were very lucky to be a 500 team at 81 and 81. According to base runs, they should have been a 75 and 87 team. And like I mentioned, 331 Woba against with the bases empty, 314 Woba against with runners in scoring position. They got very fortunate in those high leverage situations when they were playing defense. So the Phillies were a regression candidate coming into the season as well. And these cluster luck scenarios, they're not the sole reason for base runs, but they are a very, very big contributing factor, to say the least. So once again, on Monday's edition of the Betters Box, we'll do the Monday mailbag, adam at bangthebook.com or at Skating Tripods on Twitter. Send me betting questions. Send me sabermetrics questions. Send me bourbon, beer, music, movies, TV questions. Doesn't matter to me at all. Just happy to get some feedback from the listeners and talk about whatever y'all want to talk about on the show here for Monday. So we'll do the Monday mailbag. Then I'll also look at individual pitchers that have these cluster luck signs and why some of these guys will be buy candidates and some of them will be sell candidates. I'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.